You're listening to You Had to Be There, a dark comedy podcast about death, dying, and what comes next. Our show features disturbing and potentially offensive content, so it may not be appropriate for listeners under the age of 18. Crude and explicit language is a guarantee. For a heads up on touchy subjects, trigger warnings for survivors, and minute markers for skipping the ugly parts, pause here to check the episode description before jumping in. If you do need to skip this week's discussion, we totally understand. Don't forget to check in next time, and if you're good to go, it's time for the shit show. Hello! Ahoy! (laughs) (laughs) I forgot we had to do an actual introduction, so here it is! Welcome to the podcast! Woo! If you don't know what we do here... Yeah, I, I, you might, you might have a bad time because we're not going to do it the same way this time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our very first high roller episode, which, if you've been paying attention, you know, will be happening every ten episodes. So this is episode ten. Bienvenidos. So, so long as this one is successful, I want you to know when you said hello, my initial thought for some reason, and this is totally going to show my age. Uh, was hello and welcome to movie phone <laughs> if you know the name of the movie you'd like to see <laughs> press one. Oh man i We're miss that 90. guy i know right god it's just, it was so like i hate phone calls but i miss calling movie phone well i mean to be fair you didn't actually have to speak to a person when you call that, the movie phone guy. That is that is true. That is the truest thing in the world. He was probably like the most effective recorded customer service line literally ever. Yes. I mm, I hate, and it's such a stupid sentence to say, but I hate having to go online and like find the theater I want to go to and then figure out what's showing and when. It feels like such a labor when all I could be doing is picking up my touch-tone telephone. Quite. And calling, what was it, like, 1-800-MOVIES or something? God, I don't fucking know. <laughs> what was the actual number? I, I don't... Hold on, let's let's Google it. Movie oh, good God. Phone. If you're listening and you don't remember using movie phone, you really did miss out. It was the most convenient thing in the world. And that it guy's really voice was. could make any boring information sound completely relevant. Apparently it was uh, 777 film. Oh, that sounds familiar. All right. Yeah. In any event, Kimmy. Uh-huh. What are what are we doing for this uh this inaugural fiasco? Okay. So, this this particular episode is probably going to be drastically different from even the other high roller episodes, but uh, Cheyenne and I are really big into movies. Indeed. And also talking shit about fake people. (laughs) So (laughs) we're going to combine those two obsessions into one episode about the Warrens slash the Conjuring series. Now, if you're not if you're not 100 percent aware, the Conjuring universe movie series is a lot more expansive than just The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. It also is comprised of all of the Annabelle films, uh, La Llorona, which we will not be covering in this episode, The Nun, um, am I forgetting any? Um, there, there are some that are, like, 
coming I out. I mean, there are, ha- there are some shorts. Uh, there's a third Conjuring film that I believe is actively filming. Or yes. no. No, it's, I think it's supposed to be coming out, um, this September, maybe. Ooh. Um, but that one I just found out today is about a story that I have planned to cover later on. So we won't be doing that. Um, okay. But like later, probably. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a big heap, big warning. Uh, the Warrens actually gained 99% of their fame back in the, I guess, 70s. Uh, through their investigation of the Amityville house, and that is also not going to be covered in this particular episode. Good. So. So we're just going to focus on the cinematic universe that was inspired by the first Conjuring movie. Correct. Boom. Boom. Except for for La Llorona. Well. (laughs) Not not La Llorona. the, The Warrens aren't even in the movie, are they? Uh, No. And it's, no. as far as I know, it's not even inspired by any of, any of their notes regarding an investigation that they did. I don't, I don't know why that one showed up in their universe, but there it is. Actually, no, uh, real quick, real super quick spoiler alert, huge spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> that having been said, the, the demon from the nun makes an appearance in La Llorona, but what? outside of that, there's literally no, no link to anything okay. else at all. That's, so. that's, that's weird because, uh, I don't know if I should, mm, I'm trying not to skip ahead or anything, but like that demon is also supposed to be, it's supposed to tie together more than just uh two of the movies it's like it, that demon is supposed to be like a thread through like three of them at least right uh yeah so that that demon makes an appearance in la llorona and by the way it's literally only like a split second if i recall correctly have you even seen it yet no i was actually uh well one i was never interested in seeing the curse of la llorona because when i saw the trailers the fucking uh the movie voice dude for the trailer uh he kept saying la jorona (laughs) (laughs) and it was just really pissing me off nice it's like this this april (laughs) beware of the curse of la jorona (laughs) it was just it was really putting me off so i never saw it and then i thought about watching it last night just to have it fresh in my head and uh then I realized, no, because, you know, we can do a whole ass, you can do a whole ass segment on the legend of La, La Llorona, and then we can just, we'll just yeah, do that later. I, I plan to. So, the Warrens aren't in it. Fuck that movie. I'm even, I'm going to close the IMDb tab. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a really good movie, and I have a theory about that, which I was going to mention later, but I was actually talking to a friend of mine earlier. Uh, hi, Amanda, if you're actually listening, you bitch, you better be fucking listening. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I'm of the opinion that there are really only three movies from the Conjuring universe that I enjoy. The first Conjuring, La Llorona, and The Nun, and the latter two primarily because they're not based on real events. Oh, good God. 
So this is going to be the Kimmy hates Ed and Lorraine Warren hour. I hope you guys are strapped in and ready to absorb all of her bias. I really do so much. And this episode is going to tell you why. Well, please proceed because I'm excited. Okay, so I really wanted to start this episode out by saying, actually, you know what we haven't done yet? Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) (laughs) We literally talked about this before we hit record, and then we did not do it. Kimmy, do you have, first of all, first of all, let's skip statistics this episode, because... I am more excited about our other announcement that we almost didn't do. So you want to you <laughs> want to drop totally that bomb? Need to. <laughs> <laughs> so our Patreon is live. Yay, Patreon. Woo! Woo! So, you know, that's happening. <laughs> yes, we fi- we now officially have Patreon. We argued about it for a long time, like the specifics and the details and the everything. Yeah, a good three months worth of back and forth. Ugh. I thought but I had now- it finished like two weeks ago, and then Cheyenne comes at me like three days ago and was like, oh, but don't you want to do this instead? <laughs> I have opinions. <laughs> Fucking bitches with their opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so where can we, uh, where can people go to find our Patreon so that they can poke around and see what that's about? I mean, Patreon.com, of course. Yes, but it's like, isn't it like patreon.com slash what did you do our thing as? YHTBT pod? I don't know. I'm looking. <laughs> I swear to God. Well, I got a 404 error, so it's not that. Just give me a damn second. We are so together, you guys. <laughs> we are prepped and ready to go. Look, in my defense, <laughs> I didn't even know we were recording today, and I had literally nothing done. And then all of a sudden, you're like, hey, by the way, burp Fuck. Yeah, my my life is happening at the moment, um, the details of which will not be recorded. But so so we didn't think we were going to record today because I was lifing. But uh, now we are. So Kimmy's flying by the seat of her ass. Yes, yes, that which is which is going to make it even more fun. Okay, so because now you we're can... just going to hear your unfiltered hate. Uh, well, it's not really super filtered normally either. All right, so our Patreon is live, and you can see it at patreon.com backslash you had to be there pod. Nailed it. Hold on, that was the only thing I didn't try. (laughs) 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 All right, so Kimmy, do you want to take us really quickly through? uh, Oh, we have to say that we're 18 or older just to look at our Patreon? Well, we say fuck a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am 18 or older, Patreon, I promise. (laughs) Do you want to give us a snapshot of some of the cool shit we're throwing out there? So we started like a Discord server. And that's the thing <laughs> Which that's happening. I still have no idea how to use. Even though I made her a PowerPoint tutorial with it like was a beautiful PowerPoint animations until I got tired of putting the animations. <laughs> like I put a lot of effort into that, okay? So yeah, so, you can you can get access to our Discord server, or you can get access to our private Instagram, where we still have no idea what we're gonna put, but it'll be pictures and stuff, probably of our animals. So we have uh, we have six tiers to choose from. Um, 
with some of the perks that Kimmy was just talking about there, including the Discord server and the and the what have you. Um, if you start off at the five dollar level, you get immediate access to one of our new bonus shows called Here's the Thing, which is gonna be a mini cast where we kinda bullshit back and forth and possibly get into uh viciously heated debates about completely random bullshit. Right. Because you guys so, don't know, but Cheyenne and I literally fight about everything. Indeed. And at least, though, it's funny. Maybe it one of our topics will be pewter dragons and we can explain oh my God. why that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you mention it and I want to explain it. <laughs> Indeed. There was so, one time, there was one time her and I literally almost got into fisticuffs because we w- we could not agree on the correct shade of green her grass was. And there wasn't even that much of it. Like, it, we're a mess. Mm. <laughs> In any event, please go check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash you had to be there pod. Poke around, see what you're into. Let us know what you guys think. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you there. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and now there that, it is. Now, yeah, now that ugh, now that we've actually remembered to uh do, to do our job, we were talking about doing literally five <laughs> seconds before <laughs> recording. <laughs> why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and start us off onto your rants about the Warrens? <laughs> okay, so I really wanted to start this whole thing out by saying that you know before Ed and Lorraine Warren met, Ed was a used car salesman because he really seems like the fucking type. But oh, God, I thought you were about to say he was. I was going to shit myself. Dude, I wish, man, I wish. But apparently I found out that they were, like, super young when they met, like, teenagers. And I guess he worked at a theater of some sort, and she would go and, like, harass him at work, and then they fell in love and got married. And blah, 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 blah. I know, it's super sappy. But, like, <clears throat> so I guess... Ed's fascination with paranormal stuff happened when he was really young. He's convinced, well, he was convinced that he saw a spirit in a quote-unquote globule of some kind, which I don't like that word. A globule? Yeah, I don't even... Like mud? I don't... I kind of envisioned like a floating ball of ectoplasm or something i don't i don't know gelatinous goop like flubber yeah kind of anyway so no like ed started out wanting to be a painter and he was uh in art school for a little while but ended up quitting because he was like they just keep trying to teach me about shapes and stuff i guess he just didn't want to deal with the technicalities of painting so much as just uh-huh. painting. But yeah, so he he dropped out of art school and then just started painting freelance. And he would like, he he and Lorraine, before they got really big into the investigating, would like go to people's houses after they'd buy a house and and paint the house and the spirits in the house and just sell them the painting. <laughs> and I don't 
they just show up to yes. people's houses. Dude, that is You're a like, theme. That is a theme, and you will see, okay? You're going to see. So No, I, kn- I, I know that they were kind of like the Jehovah's Witnesses of the paranormal. Super. But uh, they would just show... Okay, so I, I buy this house. Yes. All right? And then one day, this weird-ass couple knocks on the door. Yes. And they say, hey, uh, just for funsies, we painted in your house. And, um, like, on canvas, like, we didn't just, like, sneakily come up and paint your house blue or anything. <laughs> we painted your house on canvas. And just for fucking shits and grins, we painted some, like, spectral figures hanging out in all the windows. So that'll be $100. Have a nice day. Goodbye. Uh, from what I've read, Yes. And then, like, apparently this this method was so effective. Like, people would let them into the house so that they could, like, do a walkthrough and a, like, tiny little investigation. And then Lorraine would be, like, would hold her fingers to her temple and be like, mm, I'm sensing an evil spirit. <laughs> or, like, I don't These people. Oh, my God. These people. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's, that's this house is clear. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, that's that's how Ed started, I guess, and Lorraine, I have no idea what she did before they decided to go to haunted houses, but I mean like probably nothing because it was really long ago, like in the 50s, I think. Oh, you mean like as a job? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say like childhood-wise, wasn't she like always kind of thinking she saw and felt and heard things and yeah according according to her uh or their son-in-law um tony something he said that she was able to sense and see things from like the age of nine and she claimed to be like a clairvoyant in the sense like not in the sense that she could see into the future or anything but that she could see different dimensions of existence kind of okay and uh also a trance medium which she explained was basically like she could talk to dead people if she was in a trance Uh uh-huh yeah i gotta tell you uh we've only been talking about them for like five minutes and it's already ruining look i love the the actor and actress who play Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, absolutely! I love they Patrick Wilson. Job. I love Vera Farmiga. Love them, and I love their chemistry on screen. Like I believe they're like sort of demure, dignified romance. Like I I believe it. Um, and so I want to believe when I watch the movies, I'm like, yes, that's exactly how they are in real life. None of this is deviated from the truth. This is absolutely legit. And then now you're over here, like, okay, so it turns out. Man, I am really going to ruin your day. <laughs> okay, I'm just so just, much. I'm gonna have to watch The Conjuring tonight to make myself feel better because it's literally one of my favorite movies in the world. Yeah. Um. So quick, quick bit about that of all of them, and I was gonna touch on this later when we actually talk about it. But quick, quick bit about The Conjuring. From what I read, that one is closest to what actually happened, except. Well, you'll I have see. heard that also. You'll you'll see. Okay. Continue. So, the way we are going to do this, I think. Okay. Hopefully if this is going to work, right? Uh <clears throat> Cheyenne is going to discuss the film 
and we're going to to review it kind of and then i'm going to come back around and be like well this is why that was bullshit <laughs> so, okay where do you want to start uh we are going to start with the one that has the least amount based on an actual true event the nun okay so i have the imdb page open for the nun released in 2018 which is I thought it was a little older than that. I didn't realize it was so recent. It I only, also thought it was a little <laughs> older than that. It only has a 5.3 out of 10, Oof. first of all. I thought that was pretty good. Did you? Because here's like, the thing. I, well, I mean, so I watched it on Christmas Eve at Kim's house. That's very festive. And I know, right? <laughs> like, I mean, Christmas traditions or something. Anyway, um, yeah, so, like, it was me, her, and, like, her two daughters, and we were in the dark, and, like, I think James was there. I don't fucking know. Anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, we were we were all up in the dark and eating pizza and watching this movie, and I recall a couple of times where I was like, mm, that looks like a big bag of nope. <laughs> so, I mean, like, if if it conjured the feeling of nope in me, I didn't hate it. If it, if it conjured. <laughs> <laughs> so... I I have uh, made a valiant attempt to watch The Nun a few times in my life and couldn't make it happen for myself. Maybe it was my general distaste for movies that have a heavy religious elements. Maybe it was just because I wasn't buying it. Or maybe it's because I have difficulty with scary movies that kind of... Like, I need, I need you to make me feel... Like, this could fucking happen. So, a fun okay. fact, fun fact, uh, a lot of people don't realize that Ed and Lorraine were actually, like, thoroughly Catholic. Oh, yeah, super duper. Like, mega Catholic. So, I'm actually kind of surprised mm-hmm. that that their religion doesn't play more of a theme into the films. I mean, yeah, like, the, the second Conjuring has that scene where, like, the crosses are upside down or whatever and like her bible and crap like that but i disagree with your assessment of the first conjuring movie if you think that they played it up more in the conjuring too uh i do okay well we're not at the conjuring movies yet so calm down <laughs> okay go so ahead. imdb says as the synopsis for those of you haven't who haven't seen the nun a priest with a haunted past and a novice on the threshold of her final vows are sent are sent by the Vatican to investigate the death of a young nun in Romania and confronts a malevolent force in the form of a de- demonic nun. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just sounds silly. And uh, I'm going to, we're going to take, well, you're not going to actually per- perceive the pause. It's going to be like a second long, but I'm going to watch the trailer and remind myself of what this movie looks like. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. You guys gotta go watch this trailer. Before the conjuring. <laughs> Before Annabelle. The darkest chapter was born. Oh and then it's just like a bunch of really dark, broody, moody scenes of like almost you're gonna see this nun. And also I can see what they're doing here. They're setting up the pretext for Valak. And then the very last thing you see is like a jump scare that didn't affect me because my brightness is turned way down. <laughs> and, uh, and then it just like on the screen, pray for forgiveness, the nun. Now, I don't know, I don't know if you watched, like, the original trailer or, like, a new one, well, like, newer than the original, but apparently the original trailer for The Nun was so terrifying that YouTube banned it. What? Yeah. 
Ooh. Yeah. Really? I guess. Like, that's, yeah, that's what I read earlier, and I was also shocked. Okay, well, I've seen some shit on YouTube that's a lot more terrifying than a nun with a weird face. She does have a pretty (laughs) weird face. So, (laughs) oh, God. So that trailer was silly. (laughs) That is my official opinion. That trailer is silly. And I assume the movie is silly, but it sounds like Kimmy's really into it. So I mean, I wouldn't say I'm really into it, but I don't. I don't think it's it's one of the worst of the series. I feel it's weird though that like um, I feel like the nun gets talked about the least ish, but it seems to be the thread that pulls this universe together kind of a little bit. Uh, well, yes. Do- because of the demon that is allegedly showing up looking like a nun, which just is very baffling to me. And maybe maybe you can make that make sense. I mean, kind of, but not not really. Well, why did you like the nun so much? I don't know. There was just something about it. It wasn't it wasn't their the worst film in the series. <laughs> That's not high praise. Well, Sorry about it. <laughs> okay, describe describe the scene, like the, the scene for you that if you had to show it to somebody to convince them to watch it, you'd be like, okay, this is the scene that's going to make you feel like you have to see the rest of it. Okay, now, first off, I need you to understand that I don't like The Nun for its horror movie claims. I like The Nun because... Like I have I have this thing where I talk a lot during movies and <laughs> like I talk shit a lot during movies and I talked shit a lot during the nun like I found a good chunk of it funny but also there were some creepy parts. Uh-huh. So, you know. Again, not high praise. <laughs> well, they don't make horror movies that great anymore. Things don't scare me anymore. I'm fucking jaded. That's fair. Our threshold is not where it used to be. Correct. Correct. So talk to me about why the nun matters in the context of the Warrens and their contribution to paranormal. Well, the Warrens' son-in-law claims that they encountered a phantom nun in a haunted English church in the 70s. And That entire sentence sounds like a Mad Lib. I know. I know. But but it gets it gets better. Like the reason I wanted to cover this is is only because of a single sentence. He said that she when she walked into a a church, she said the phrase "There's a nun here," and I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> Where else are you gonna find nuns? Like obviously, there's a fucking nun there. <laughs> anyway. So, so yeah, he said that it, it could potentially be based on this haunted church in England. Um, and then when he was asked to expand on it, he said, and I quote, I think Hollywood takes bits and pieces of different stories and puts them together. They couldn't just come up with it out of the blue because writers don't exist or something. I mean, obviously, <laughs> all movies that Hollywood produces were pieced together from other stories. They're not. (laughs) Fuck writers. (laughs) Anyway, 
The director claims that the nun was actually inspired by a demon that Lorraine claimed haunted her home, and specifically her. Apparently, uh, Valak is, is in fact actually a real demon, but I don't know if it's the demon that was supposed to be haunting her, but I guess this demon just, like, chased her around her whole life. I, I love how comfortable you are shitting all over the Warrens, who are legitimate, real-life people who were living at some point, but then you just said, Valak is a real demon, and then you just kept going. Well, I mean, like... Like, uh, like you were when totally I say, okay when with I that. Say, uh, when I say Valak was a real demon, what I mean is, in, like documented history like biblical texts and shit valak existed the way that satan existed okay so yeah <laughs> that's that's all i got for the nun there's the nun oh, here fa- christ <laughs> so i guess the the nun as far as this universe of movies is supposed to be the first one that happens chronologically so it's the phantom menace of the conjuring universe basically yeah basically it's supposed to it's supposed to introduce valak the demon who is apparently the demon that links all the stories together so it's so so really the conjuring universe isn't a series about the warrens it's a series about valak (gasps) crisscross did you just fucking crack the case? <laughs> I cracked the case. <laughs> Roadhouse. Okay. So, well, oh, all right. So what is after the nun? Uh, after the nun, we are going to talk about Annabelle. Oh, fuck me. I know. I know. <sighs> okay. So Annabelle was released in 2014 as a response to people's fanatical enjoyments of that one opening scene from The Conjuring that had Annabelle in it, which I didn't even think was that fucking fascinating. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're going to make a movie about this thing that we mentioned for five minutes at the beginning of this other movie. And I was like, cool, I'm not going to watch it. And then they made me. Fun fact... I'm gonna. I'm about to change up the structure of how we're doing this and just like interject information. Uh, that that snippet at the beginning of The Conjuring about Annabelle, uh, Annabelle is about exactly how much information is available about the Annabelle story. I believe it. Yeah. So go it's ahead. Just like <laughs> there was some kids and they had this doll and it didn't go well. The end. Yes. So, the first Annabelle movie was released in 2014 (laughs) and has a similarly lackluster rating to The Nun at a 5.4 out of 10. Well, I'd believe it. Um, It says, a couple begins to experience terrifying supernatural occurrences involving a vintage doll shortly after their home is invaded by satanic cultists. So now, I have seen this movie and I experienced a lot of weird misplaced rage. (laughs) Throughout this movie, I didn't like the way that any of the characters handled um, the adversities they were facing. I didn't appreciate... Look, okay, so there's this fucking couple, okay? And yeah, there's there's like a home invasion in the beginning and there's like a... That matters for reasons I don't fucking... Here's the point. They have a baby this whole time. And, uh, and like, uh, the husband brings home the Annabelle doll as, like, a gift for the wife because she's, like, a doll collector or enthusiast or had had them when she was young or something, whatever. And, uh, she's all about this Annabelle doll, which doesn't make any sense to me because she's fucking gross looking. 
Yes. She looks like she's been rolled in that, like, water that accumulates at the bottom of your garbage can and drips as you, like, run frantically across your kitchen to get to the backyard. <laughs> I really <laughs> painted a picture. <laughs> and, like, in real life, Annabelle was uh, was a Raggedy Ann, like a big, like an oversized Raggedy Ann. Yeah. So, which I guess, look, that's creepy enough to me. I would really? have been content. Yeah, if you put that creepy-ass smiling bitch on my shelf, I'd have been like, no. I had a Raggedy Ann doll. <sighs> I, actually had, also- I actually had both Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. Mm-hmm. Look, <laughs> look, man, I just I don't think she's creepy looking. I think she looks gross. Like, I wouldn't want to touch her. I don't want that thing in my house. It's the house is clean. Put that thing outside where it should have stayed. Anywho, point is, buys her this fucking doll. They have a baby this whole time. And throughout the movie, the baby is like constantly being endangered, either by whatever sort of haunting activity Annabelle is creating. Oh, my God. One of the actresses in the movie is named Annabelle. I just saw that. Oh, Anywho, <laughs> Roadhouse. Anywho, <laughs> so, so like the baby's constantly in some sort of like either assumed or literal peril, and also there's like this this undercurrent of them trying to make this strange backwards commentary on postpartum psychosis that I wasn't happy about, um, because. Postpartum psychosis, first of all, postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis are two very different monsters. Correct. Um, so we're talking about the big scary one right now, which is psychosis. Which is and the one, that's that's the one that you hear these stories about women killing their kids after they give birth to them. That's that's why. Yes. It's normal. This is so off track, but I, I need to say it because I have, I have so many friends with kids who have never had anybody take the time to say this to them before so let me just for anybody who's listening it is normal to feel abnormal after you give birth to a human whether they came out of the vag or they cut them out of you during a cesarean or you puked it up somehow and you're like a medical marvel now and you're in all the papers no matter how that baby came out of your body it is normal to be fucked up for a while after that it's okay to be sad it's okay to feel despondent it's okay to be angry it's okay to be anxious and it's okay to feel like you aren't always comfortable around or near your own baby those feelings are okay what you should be worried about is when like when you start feeling like that child is the actual spawn of satan and you need to yeah, protect yeah. the world. That when you start not... feeling like you need to physically harm the baby, that is when you should be worried about whether or not your hormones are literally making you an insane person. Yes. But prior to that, it's okay not to be a happy, glowing, bubbly Instagram mom who's like, oh my god, miracle of life! But anyway, so... <laughs> ugh. This movie, it has this that weird undercurrent of, like, they're trying to make some sort of this parallel commentary about postpartum psychosis, and it was really making me mad, and I didn't enjoy it, and the husband is such a moron the entire movie, because he's seeing all these warning signs, whether he thinks that they are paranormally, like, inspired, or it's just his wife, or whatever he thinks is actually happening, he is not being proactive enough to, like, mitigate or prevent or even 
like address anything that's going on and i well, remember dude, turning to that's kind of like a horror movie staple at this point like and and i started thinking about it last night uh sam and i sat down to watch the movie the prodigy which is meh at best um and and naturally the mom is like there's something haunted going on and the dad is like mm, don't think so i'm gonna leave for a little bit and like that's, of course that's kind of just that's how it is the mom knows things are going crazy shit's fucked up dad's like mm, i think you're fucked up and dips out yes but in this one particular framing it made me unusually mad just because of the other things that were kind of going on Mm -hmm. commentary wise and i remember turning to zero and being like look i i I know that i've pretty much drawn a line in the sand and said that i'm not going to be birthing no babies ever in life but just theoretically if we were in this situation and i was acting legitimately unstable at the first, di- first signs of that legitimate instability, would you still be le- leaving me alone with our baby? And he was like, fuck no. Legit. He's like, no, I would I would bring in a nanny or like a babysitter, just a normal babysitter or something. And then your ass would be going to a doctor to make sure that you were okay before you could be alone with the fucking baby again. Legit. And I was like, thank you, honey. You are perfect. And then we <laughs> finished the movie. But, so I don't know. The... I actually don't super remember how the movie ends, but, you know, they, they escape Annabelle, right? They, they I mean, get off? I mean, I guess. I don't, I don't fucking remember. Like, look, I don't like those movies, the Annabelle films, any of them. They all bore me to absolute tears. I, I think I've seen two of them. I don't, I don't know. I remember well, the first one. This one just one, made me mad. Yeah, I remember the first one's about this, this chick and her kid and there are some kids that hang out in the stairwell a lot and fucking somebody draws a picture of a baby getting hit by a car i think and like that's legit all i remember (laughs) (laughs) i think a sewing machine started on its own at one point i don't maybe i don't know oh there's a bug in my room gross did you know that uh Ellen DeGeneres lived in the apartment that was used in this movie. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, she said she was, uh, she's watching the movie and she goes, that looks familiar. And then she realized it was her building. That's that's (laughs) That's kind of fun. So that's kind of fun. So I am going to start the history of the Annabelle doll by saying that Sharon A. Hill, a science writer, once said, like real life Ed Warren, Real-life Annabelle is actually far less impressive. <laughs> and I Agreed. love her. <laughs> Agreed. So, so yeah, even though there are literally three fucking movies about this fucking doll, and actually there, there's rumored or they've talked about making a fourth one, which is completely unnecessary. Why? I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, so, like, the actual story really just takes, like, two seconds or just watch the beginning clip in The Conjuring. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Annabelle was a raggedy handle. Um, not some creepy ass looking ventriloquist dummy looking bitch. Uh, mm-hmm. which honestly is kind of like terrifying. I don't like dolls. I'm not a big fan of dolls, especially when they look like ventriloquist dummies. So of the <laughs> Annabelle films, like the look of the Annabelle doll, that was the most terrifying part. Um, Now, according to Ed, they were contacted by a nursing student who had the doll. Uh, She was given the doll by her mother for some reason. 
And she and her roommate had noticed that the doll was moving around and had called a medium. The medium told them that the doll was possessed by a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins. They basically tried to, like, hang out with the doll and be bros and stuff. And they'd, like, play with the doll. Basically, seriously, like, literally the very beginning of the Conjuring movie. That's, yeah, it's that's the, yeah. the entire story. Um, it's the whole story. It really is. Like, they, they tried to be pals with the doll. The doll's like, eh, let's get spoopy. And then the Warrens come in. It started out small. Like... A hand or a leg was in a different position, and its head was looking up instead of down, and then one day it was in a completely different room. It was moving around by itself. Ever think that maybe somebody had a key to your apartment and was just playing a trick on you? That's exactly what we thought, but never once did we find any sign or evidence of intrusion. And this all led you to believe that the doll was possessed? Yes. Camilla got in touch with a medium. We learned from her that a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins had died in this apartment. She was lonely and took a liking to my doll. All she wanted was to be friends. When we heard this, we felt really sorry for her. I mean, we're nurses. We help people. So... We gave her permission to move into the doll. Wait. You did what? She wanted to live with us by inhabiting the doll. We said yes. But then, things got worse. When we came home, she was sitting in the hallway. But we had left her in the spare room. We are beyond terrified. We don't know what's going on or what to do. Can you help us? Yes, we can. But firstly, there's no such thing as Annabelle. And there never was. Ghosts don't possess such a power. I think what we have here is something extremely manipulative. It's something inhuman. It was a big mistake acknowledging this doll. And through that, the inhuman spirit tricked you. You gave it permission to infest your lives. What's an inhuman spirit? It's something that's never walked the earth in human form. It's something demonic. So the doll was never possessed? No, no, it was used as a conduit. It was moved around to give the impression of possession. Demonic spirits don't possess things. They possess people. It wanted to get inside of you. Yeah. So anyway, the Warrens show up, bless the house, take the doll, dip the hell out. Now the doll's sitting in their museum. And what's interesting about this story is uh, the only information related to the Annabelle doll is the information that Ed tells people, well-told people. Huh. So, yeah, that's fun. Weird. It's crazy. So the, um, the second, the second movie in the Annabelle trilogy as it exists today is called Annabelle Creation. And that was released in 2017. That one actually has a higher rating than the other one. It's 6.5 out of 10. They were both terrible. And this is the one that I, I kept trying to watch last night, but I could only get them in, uh, other languages. And, I just wasn't down for a no subtitles experience of watching Annabelle creation <laughs> in German. I so, feel like I probably would have enjoyed it more. My apology my apologies to Deutschland, but I'm not not doing it. Um 
Evidently, though, what I missed out on was that 12 years after the tragic death of their little girl, a doll maker and his wife welcome a nun and several girls from a shuttered orphanage into their home, where they become the target of the doll maker's possessed creation, Annabelle. Whatever. So, that's dumb. Yeah, and then I'm pretty certain I fell asleep one, during that movie like twice. The third, the third one has a 5.9 out of 10. Annabelle Comes Home, which came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while babysitting, the daughter of Ed and Lorraine Warren, a teenager and her friend, unknowingly awaken an evil spirit trapped in a doll. Ooh. Well, now I want to watch that one because it actually takes place inside of the more centralized universe of The Conjuring. Yeah, I haven't even seen that one. Oh, let's watch the trailer. No. Do look the the tagline on the poster says possess them all. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, it's like we're fucking Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta possess them all, Annabelle. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, that's enough about Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're gonna talk about the conjuring, which Yee! which by far, by far is the best of any of them. Oh, so good. It is really good. It is like I saw it. I'm pretty certain the first time I saw it was in theaters with Sam. And I remember multiple times that he jumped. Dude, the rewatchability of The Conjuring is so good. It's just, uh, I think that that might be the mark of a satisfying horror movie is that you can watch it more than twice because the first time you watch it you're just it's just your raw experience of like okay i'm gonna get scared and the second time you watch it okay it's like okay if i hadn't been like covering my eyes or like flipping out during this scene i would have noticed that detail so that's kind of cool and if you can keep watching it after that i feel like that is the mark of a truly well done horror film and i have seen the conjuring nearly as many goddamn times if i as i have seen the harry potter movies Indeed, indeed. Also, it had Lily Taylor in it, in it, and I, I really like Lily Taylor, and I loved her in The Haunting, and I was, I was really pleased to see her again in this. Wait, who was Lily Taylor? Uh, Carolyn. Oh yes. Okay. Sorry, I always forget that actress's name, and I love her, which is weird. Yeah, it happens. This is an awesome. This this I could. I, I'm not gonna, because I really could, but I could talk about this movie for, for hours. Um, so the the Perrin family moves into their new home, a nice, nice farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere with their, God's five daughters? Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this, just way too many daughters. So <laughs> way too many, many people. <laughs> <laughs> so they move into this house and, uh, you get the sense that they kind of spent all the money they had to get into the house. And they have a few moments where they kind of play up that the husband is, uh, is struggling to keep getting like roots. Like he's a trucker. He's trying to get roots to keep them, you know, afloat. You so mean routes? It, I say root. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you say tomato. I say root. So, <laughs> <laughs> and this that's just only important because that's why they can't leave like after you get hainted what's the first thing people say well, well you should just you should just leave that house well but we can't though because this is the real world where not everybody has money yeah so like when i was writing my notes for this for this one um i actually wrote the the phrase instead of of moving after they realized they were gonna be haunted forever 
uh, they decided to stick around. But it shouldn't have been that hard for them to leave. It was, what, the 70s? Like, they could have left with $1,000. It was fine. But then I did some more reading, uh, and it said they didn't uh, have the money. So I was like, okay, well, yeah. Delete. Well, and then wasn't it also that um, the movie makes it seem like they only tolerated the goings-on in the house for maybe a few short weeks before they sought help from the Warrens, which is not the way it happened. No. But in in real life, didn't they tolerate that for nearly a decade? They just kind of dealt with it? Yeah, They so they moved into the house, which is considered or not considered but it's called the uh, old arnold estate and they moved in in the winter of 1970 and were unable to move until 1980 good lord yeah and there was the, there was never any actual exorcism of this presence was there is that confirmed that or yes, did they that, just kind of deal with it for 10 years that happened it did? It was, well okay so sort of <laughs> i've read accounts from the surviving daughter's not to imply that the rest of them are dead or anything. I just, it's uh, Andrea, I think, is the most vocal. Yeah, she's actually got five. a, um, she's got a series of books uh, about she it. She does. It's yeah. House of House of Darkness, House of Light or something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, see, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> uh, so she's, she talks the most about it. I heard the book is terrible because she's not the best writer in the world, but I don't think that's what matters when you're talking about your haunted house. I just want to know what ha- happened. <laughs> what and, happened uh, <laughs> Indeed. So she says that the movie is, is pretty, pretty adjacent to the truth with obvious glamour liberties taken by Hollywood to make it palatable to a studio or to a studio audience. This called the conjuring was filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> uh, anyway, but she's included. The, I God damn it. Anyway, the point is she says it's pretty close. Yeah. So, okay. Basically what happened was, uh, yep. Carolyn Roger and their five too many children, <laughs> moved into this house in 1970 and it all started kind of happening somewhat slow like the usual items going missing shit moving around falling off the walls right um soon after i guess carolyn was awakened with a start to see <clears throat> a very tall woman in an old gray dress with her head hanging to the side and, oh. like, just kind of hanging. And, oh, uh, I didn't like that. Yeah, I don't I don't like that either. That's that's from another another show. Yeah, the, the show. Fucking the TV show on Netflix that is basically, um, it is basically The Haunting. God, what the fuck is it called? Uh, what? Is it, I think it's that. <sighs> fuck. What? Hold Use on. words. I'm, uh, uh, the house the house on haunted hill Hill. is it the house on haunted hill i don't think it is the 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 house uh the house on haunted hill is a movie i know that's why i don't think that's it the this is a netflix series you're trying to talk about yes well i have imdb open house the The haunting of hill house yes that is a thing god Wow. Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Anyway, yeah. So, so it, in the haunting of Hill House, like the the main, you think it's a demon for a little while slash ghost, and then you find out other stuff. I'm not here to spoil that show, just the Warrens. So we're not going to get into that. But the main ghost thing 
that's following the girl around, like, has her head cocked to the side. I like don't that. like it. Yeah, it's weird. It's super weird. Is anyway, anyway. supposed to mimic mimic the posture that you die in when you get hanged? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, Carolyn says she's awakened with a start uh, by this tall bitch in a gray dress that is screaming at her, quote, get out, get out, I'll drive you out with death and gloom. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> uh, shortly after that, I guess the kids started noticing spirits, uh, harmless ones at first, and then I guess they needed to gain momentum, or like they had to charge or something, and then all of a sudden a bunch of bad shit happened. Uh-huh. Carolyn ended up doing her own research, on the property and concluded that there were eight generations of a single family that lived in the house and like on the property. And she said that many of them died on the property mysteriously or horribly. She said that some committed suicide, some were murdered. There were a couple of kids that were drowned. Um, and Andrea, the, the daughter that you had mentioned said in her book, quote, Virtually every entity we were able to name had as living beings either died by their own hand or died so traumatic a death and so sudden a death that they didn't seem to know they were dead. Carolyn had determined that the woman that was haunting her, woman slash demon, basically this this chick that woke her up rudely one day, uh, <laughs> she decided her name was Bathsheba uh, Thayer. Uh-huh. Yeah, Bathsheba Thayer. Uh, who was born in Rhode Island in 1812. Now, <laughs> while the movie depicts Bathsheba, and even, in fact, also the parents depict uh, this Bathsheba person to be demonic and evil and blah, 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 uh, this person did actually exist. Her name... Well, so... Go ahead. In the in the movie, um, it's it's uh it's Lorraine who does the research on the property, and she says that what had happened was, uh, back back in the day, which was a Tuesday, <laughs> um, Bathsheba was married to the man who owned the house, and they had a baby, and then one day he came downstairs to find her sacrificing the baby in front of the fire sacrificing sacrificing it to satan or whatever mm-hmm. and then uh he was like oh you're in trouble now you got some splaining to do <laughs> and he chased her outside and she one of these uh, days bathsheba <laughs> yeah and then like he he hanged her or did well no, God, she, what was it? she I hung her, herself she like cl- yeah she climbed up the old oak tree because that's where you kill yourself i mean and uh strung herself up with the rope proclaimed her love for satan and then jumps and you know to her death and just and hanged so that's that's how they spun it for the movie yeah, so I feel in like real you're life. about to tell me. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you're about to tell me that that is a slanderous representation of Bathsheba Thayer. Uh, 100%. According to a historian, Jamie Rubio, uh, in his blog, Dreaming Casually, every bit of that is bullshit. Uh, Bathsheba <laughs> Sherman was born in 1812. She never worked on the property. She never cared for a child that died on the property. 
There are literally no records of any of her four children having been killed by a knitting needle to the head or being sacrificed to Satan or any sort of scandal surrounding the deaths of any of them. Now, it should be noted that three out of the four of them did die in childhood, but this was the early 1800s and that shit was as normal as like sliced bread today. Like, that that just happened. <laughs> oh, my kids stubbed their toe. They're going to die tomorrow. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> it, it, it just kind of happened. I mean. Jesus Christ. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. You're not. But <laughs> See? Like, well, Jebediah stubbed his toe today. We reckon he's got about a month. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they just, they... Kids kicked it in the early 1800s. It just kind of happened. Now, Good upon God. upon her death in 1885, when she was 73 and she didn't hang herself, she had a stroke. Her her eulogy was actually performed by a Baptist minister, and about that, this historian actually says, quote, Do you really think that the townspeople would have allowed Bathsheba to be buried in the cemetery next to her husband and children if they thought that she was a witch? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Now, along with all of his information on Bathsheba, he also picks a number of holes into Carolyn's claims about the stuff that she allegedly uncovered regarding all the okay. deaths that happened on the estate. And basically they, they didn't, they, they just didn't. Uh, Susan Arnold, who Carolyn claims hung herself on the property in the farmhouse. In fact, uh, she did actually hang herself, but it wasn't at the house on the property. Uh, and then, according to Lorraine Warren, there was a young girl, Prudence Ar- Arnold, who was murdered in the pantry of the farmhouse. And again, mm-hmm. yes, she was murdered, but somewhere else, not anywhere near the property. <laughs> and then there was there was Edwin Arnold, who froze to death on someone else's farm. So, like... Sure, we can say that bad luck maybe haunted these people, but, like, not at the property. Just when they left the property. They should have just stayed home, basically. Uh, (laughs) He also goes on to say that, basically, obviously, people have died there. Like, if there are eight generations of people from the same family living there, there's bound to be... Some some of them that have died there, but there are literally no documents of murder, suicide, or drownings at the home or anywhere on the property. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, moving so, on. Moving on. It's a it's a bunch of hokum, but it makes for one of the best scary movies I've ever seen. Just saying. I am not done. Oh, please keep going. God. So yeah, in Andrea's book. She states that uh, Bathsheba would often start to get physical and would mostly take her hauntings out on Carolyn, which I guess started out as like some pinches and a little bit of slaps here and there, which to me sounds like a good time. But (laughs) I mean, whatever. Uh, I guess then Carolyn got stabbed with a knitting needle, which I think we both can agree. (laughs) Not a good time. (laughs) Sounds terrible. Yeah, that sounds awful. They were, I guess overwhelmed by this powerful smell of rotting flesh, which that's awful. 
they would see... Could be an indication of a demonic presence. Could also be an indication of something dead in your walls. Yes. Which like is a raccoon. A, super a thing. Super a thing. Oh, if it you, really is. If you have never fucking lived in the backwoods, you don't know that you can hear possums walking through the fucking walls and all you can think is, you're not thinking, oh no, what if it comes out of the wall and bites me and I get rabies? I don't want the hydrophobia. No. What you're thinking is, God damn it, I hope it doesn't die in the wall. Yeah. Because it will stink forever. I'm pretty certain like a week ago, Sam and I actually had a discussion that went very much like that. Because I think we heard something in the ceiling. And I'm pretty certain he turns to me, he goes, I hope it can find its way out. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say that Sam turned to you. I thought you were going to say he turned to you and was like... Well, now we're going to get the hadrophobia. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, so yeah, they'd, they'd watch beds rise from the floor and the heating system would fail, which, by the way, totally relatable. <laughs> the family actually believed that the spirits made the heating system fail so that Roger would have to go down into the basement because that's where its spirit lived, I guess. Like, I don't... Clever girl. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so here come the Warrens. Uh... <laughs> The uh Who weren't invited, right? They were not invited. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. So like in the in the movie, Carolyn like goes to them and is like, help me, we're possessed. But really they just kind of showed the fuck up. They were like, Hey, I hear you got a haunting. How's the going? <laughs> so Oh, and in the movie, dude, uh in all the movies, they kinda they play it up like like, Ed is not always about investigating. He's kind of like, well, I'm sure there's an explanation. Please fuck off, man. We have places to be. But in real life, Ed was like, he could be standing in public and somebody off to the side of him would sneeze and he'd turn to them and say, I sense demonry! Yeah, like, seriously, <laughs> like, if they smelled something supernatural, they were like, let's get in on that. Like, uh, uh, yeah. anyway, <clears throat> it's a theme. So, yeah, the uh, they show up. And proceed to do whatever it is they do. Um, the final night they're there, Carolyn allegedly became possessed by Bathsheba. And so Lorraine decided to conduct a seance, which I guess lasted for several hours, which is really Ugh. long. And Carolyn's body contorted as possessed bodies often do. And then... uh <laughs> this part though <laughs> after <laughs> after the seance roger kicked them out of the house good <laughs> that was it that was that was the end of it good they, he just he kicked was them sick the of fuck their out. shit yeah and then and so andrea explained in her book again quote the warrens tried to help but we essentially found things just got worse around them <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah kicked them the fuck out and uh the movie likes to portray it as though that was the end of their turmoil and the spirits and the, but no, that's not, that's not the case. Uh, it continued until even after they moved, they said that the, the ghosts and demons and whatever, I guess, attached to them and followed them after they left the house. Well, you know, it's, it's like Ed says in the movie, sometimes being haunted is like stepping in gum. You take a little bit of it with you wherever you go. <laughs> uh, they, they make Ed and Lorraine seem so fucking likable in The Conjuring. It's just, it makes you forget for just a minute that in real life they, they were kind sucked. of invasive and weird and they suck. Not cool. 
Yeah. So now that we've covered The Conjuring, let's uh, let's get on to Conjuring 2. And let me just start this out by saying I was not a fan of this movie. I did not like this movie. You didn't like it at all? all. No. I was, I just, no, I didn't like it. Um, I thought it had its merits. I think the best part was when uh, Ed was on that talk show and the guy was telling him he was bullshit. And I was like, yes, this guy gets it. <laughs> and he gets all mad. <laughs> yeah. They really played up Ed as like a hothead like, in this one. It was meta as fuck. Oh, wow. This one has a 7.3 approval rating Ugh, on IMDb. It's, it's awful. What was what was uh, The Conjuring's? I don't think you set it up for The Conjuring. Um, The Conjuring had 7.5. So 0.2 more than The Conjuring 2. It deserved so much more Which than The Conjuring sounds 2. Ri- yes, because The Conjuring is so good. And if The Conjuring 2 it- is so bad. <laughs> If we didn't, we didn't really spoil. We haven't really spoiled the movies, which I'm glad we didn't. Because if True. you haven't seen The Conjuring, fucking please do. We're and we're probably gonna we're probably gonna spoil The Conjuring too a little bit because that one is the freshest in my mind. Well, then we'll just save good movies for uh, if you've if after you listen, you go check out our Patreon page, you will notice that there is another bonus show that you can get access to called What Had Happened Was. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a a bonus show where we watch movies together and talk about them and make hilarious commentary and possibly get angry. So maybe we'll do uh, The Conjuring for one of those because it's so goddamn good. But The Conjuring 2 I thought was kind of okay-ish. I didn't, it didn't hurt I my had- I had very serious problems with The Conjuring 2. One one of which was they made Ed and Lorraine out to be like superheroes against yeah, the paranormal, like superheroes. Like like you could have you could have made this an extra Avengers movie. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> Just the way they painted them. They were like yeah, we can't, we can't do one more. Let's just, no, we're not going to do one more. Oh, another one shows up. Let's go do it. Like, it's just. Yeah, let's just uh, do this one more. It's so ridiculous. And then like, and then at the end where they're, spoilers. And then at the end when they leave and they're on the train and the shit falls and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I solved the case. Like, what? And their excuse, the excuse was, well, the demon was blocking my psychicness. Like, no, shut the fuck up. That's stupid. Yeah, seriously. Like, they super phoned it in. In The Conjuring, Lorraine walks into the house and, like, she immediately sees the dark presence that's clinging to the family and, like, immediately has all these insights. In The Conjuring 2, in a house that is arguably as haunted as the Perrin home, she's like, yeah, I don't, there's just nothing going on. There's just, I don't, it's this I don't know. Weird. It's just, I don't understand yeah. it. Oh, I'm a mile away from the house. Well, let me tell you the history of everything. Like it was, yes, oh, now all of a sudden. God. And yeah. they also, they, they kind of, they contorted what was actually proven or at least believed to be the presence that was haunting the house. They contorted it into something that would fit the rest of the cinematic universe. Yes. Because in real life, as I'm sure you're about to say, so I'll just bullet point really quickly. In real life, they kind of got to the bottom of what was terrorizing this this family and this uh this 
London home. It was in London, right? Yes. Yeah, so... All right, please just... Okay, synopsis really quickly. Ed and Lorraine Warren travel to North London to help a single mother raising four children alone in a house plagued by a supernatural spirit. You know what? You know what else really bothered me about that? What? That fucking shit. When, like, they're hanging out at the house and all of a sudden Ed, like, busts out with the guitar and he's like... Hang out while we uh, fucking sing some tunes. Like, what? <laughs> that doesn't... can't help falling in love. I will, I will well. say, I will say, though, that uh, the actor, what's his name again? Uh, Patrick Wilson. Ah, yes, Patrick Wilson. Like, he, he, he does a pretty good Elvis. I'll give it to him. <laughs> Go him. Yeah, well, he's got those those bedroom eyes and those He does, lips, he does. I like him. So. I like him, but I hate yeah, this movie. He's, it, he was, uh, for me, one of the best parts of Watchmen. Yes. Even though even though <sighs> he was super frumpy, mega dad bod. Like, yes. <laughs> it, but was, it was look, precious. I kind of, I hate the phrase dad bod, but I enjoy a squishy bod. Right. So I was about it. I don't give a shit. Have you Anywho. have you seen the movie Hard Candy? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh uh, god. Yeah. It was it was so bad. Yes. Like it wasn't a bad movie. No, it's a really it good fun, movie. Fun but, to watch. But like yes. it's weird. It's watch it's, it. It's so good. Uh, like, <laughs> look, dude, if you've never seen Hard Candy or Juno, watch Juno first and then try to sit yeah. through Hard Candy and see Ellen Page the same way. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, his little musical number, like unnecessary. That was fucking unnecessary. So unnecessary. Like I don't I don't care about him singing to the family. And then, ooh, and then like the random little quips that he, that they would have, like they would force humor into it. It's like this is not this is not a rom-com. Yeah. I don't need that was, bullshit. There are some really good sort of na- like organic funny moments in the conjuring that i think that they realize oh man we did so good we should try to make those things happen again and it's like but you can't because in the conjuring they were they just felt i don't know they felt like they could really happen like that dialogue could really take place and patrick wilson and vera farmiga just played really well off of each other like there's this really sweet moment in the conjuring where they're trying they're debating about whether or not to go together to like i don't know investigate some case or whatever because because uh ed in the movie is trying to like sort of give lorraine a hiatus of some sort and uh lorraine is like do you remember what you said to me on our wedding night and then ed pauses briefly and he goes can we do it again <laughs> and I was like, I was like, aw, that's cute. But in The Conjuring 2, it's like almost slapstick proportions of them trying to make the banter fun. Yeah, and like and I, I wondered, like the the following day after I watched it, I, I almost wondered if like maybe they swapped out writers or the director was different or something. But no, it's it's all it the James exact, Wan. yeah, all the exact same people. And I don't know. If they were just trying to live off the momentum of The Conjuring, or... Do you know what? Maybe, (sighs) maybe, and shoot me down if you think that I'm, like, reaching or whatever. But, so, if you've ever watched British television... Oh, I love British British humor. British humor is famously dry, and they have mastered the art of like a laugh out loud deadpan re- delivery yes. of jokes like 
it's really they they pull it off i don't know it's just it's what comes naturally to them it's a cultural thing all humor is really cultural and for the british it's like dry humor and deadpan delivery and like doing ridiculous things without anybody in the situation actively reacting to the fact that it's ridiculous yes and that's why british humor is so great if you don't believe us go watch faulty towers or go uh, go watch a bit of fry and Lori. Or literally um, just get on YouTube right now and look up the Ministry of Silly Walks. Indeed. Any any like like deep cut original Monty Python shit, not just Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like go watch the actual or soap, I don't think was actually British, was it? Uh I'm not sure. Chef also. Chef is a Maybe good one. I'm I, I think I think Oh I'm my god, and Mr. Bean. Yes. <laughs> I th- I think I I think I got my wires crossed on a one word title of something. But anyway, Faulty Towers, Monty Python, Mr. Bean, whatever. Go watch those things. Anywho, what I'm thinking is what happened was what had happened was what had happened was uh, maybe because they had to blend together a a British cast and randomly these this american cast maybe the british actors just doing what it is they do on screen were offering too harsh a juxtaposition to the contribution of the american actors in terms of like how humor was delivered or how lines were delivered or how they ad-libbed or or improv or whatever and maybe that clash is what is making it difficult for us to like the translation isn't there i don't I don't know, man. Maybe. Maybe. But also, it was still bad. So I don't care. (laughs) I'm just saying that if you put Hugh Laurie on the same stage as, like, Jonah Hill and had them play off of each other, it wouldn't feel right. But uh, if Hugh Laurie was by himself, hilarious. If Jonah Hill was by himself, hilarious. Both in their own respects do you see what i'm saying yeah but together no which fine but even still it this movie's not a fucking comedy no i yeah you're right anywho so okay uh family london they're getting haunted most of it is happening to one of the daughters see and which in, is how it in happened real in real life, life in real life uh it was actually happening to the two daughters oh okay but, I mean, it, it did put mo- most of the focus on the youngest, Janet, who was 11. Uh, but it was still primarily both the daughters, Janet and Margaret. And what was, what was happening to, to Janet and Margaret? Cause in the movie, they, it was all about Janet. And then sometimes the little boy was seeing, uh, some of this crooked man shit happening. Yeah. I'm actually, um, had- um I'm actually pretty certain neither, of the two boys, or maybe it was just one of the boys, wasn't actually there when this was actually going down. So, like, it was it was huge, huge story in London at the time. Yeah, it was. Um, they talked about it as like the Amityville of England. One of one of their key witnesses wasn't it was a, one of the responding, uh, one of the Bobbies who responded to. Uh, disturbance at the house and she went on to insist no i saw the furniture move yeah i saw it absolutely she uh she said that she saw a chair wobble and slide across the room and like yeah it's so a a bunch of shit apparently happened um by more like witnessed by more than like 30 people 
um, disembodied voices. And some of it's caught on film. Well, disembodied voices, loud noises, thrown toys, overturned chairs, the whole, you know, oh, there's a poltergeist stuff. And tons, tons of people investigated the place. Tons of people investigated the place. Um, Apparently, there's a paranormal society in London called the Society for Psychical Research, which is kind of cool. They threw a bunch of people in the house and told them to investigate, so they did. Um, Some of those people were actually depicted in the movie. The guy that they had playing the the real-life Maurice Gross looked pretty much exactly like the guy. Like, (laughs) pretty much exactly. Um, He and a guy named Guy Playfair were the first two <laughs> to uh, to investigate the house um and they would report curious whistling and barking noises coming from Janet's general direction okay and one of their one of the most popular recordings that people know of was actually in in the film during the credits was a recording of Janet being possessed so this is this is the clip of them interviewing the family in their living room, right? And then this is going to be Janet allegedly just we'll just use that word mm-hmm. just to be official, allegedly channeling the spirit of an old man. Correct. And I am going to listen to it at the same time that it's it's going to play right now. Hello, my name is Morris. Say Dr. Bellock. Come on, let me hear you say that. Come on, let's hear you say Dr. Bellock. Say, say Dr. Bellock. Now, if you squeak the bed, I can't hear you talking. Now, say Dr. Bellon. Come on. Come on, say it for me, Dr. Bellon. Dr. Bellon. Okay, well, there you have it. <laughs> so, I have uh, two two things to say about that. One, well, three things. One, I think it's absolutely bullshit. Two, it is the best metal growl I've ever heard. And three, (laughs) I used to make that noise to my brother at night to scare the shit out of him when I was- Do you remember- (laughs) When I was 11 and 12. So- Do you remember when the grudge came out and Kim- Oh my God, yes. Was terrified of the- Okay, so- So side side thing. I'm a really big fan of scaring people. It brings me joy. (laughs) So, of course it does. <laughs> yeah. So, um one of my best friends, Kim, was absolutely petrified of the grudge noise, the uh thing. So, at the time she like I don't remember if she lived with us or she was just staying with us for an extended period of time. I don't I don't remember, but I'm pretty certain she was living with us at that point. And uh when we would go to bed at night, I would just make that noise out of the blue to scare the <laughs> shit out of her. So, yeah. So, one day, 
Um, my parents and I are out doing something and Kim like texts me and she's like, Hey, I just got back to the house. I'm going to be dyeing my hair, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, cool. So we get back and Kim is still <laughs> in the bathroom doing her I hair. I know this story. And she's, she's rinsing her hair and, uh, she didn't, I like opened the bathroom door and she didn't hear me. She had no idea we were home. So I was like, Oh my she God. She was doing that thing where like you just kneel yeah, and she was like just, she was just kneeling the into the tub with her head under the faucet. So she couldn't fucking hear us. So, so I was like, oh my God, this is going to be brilliant. So I escaped the bathroom without her noticing. And I recorded myself on my phone making that noise. Because back in the day, I don't know if you children know, back in the day, you couldn't just download really nifty oh, ringtones. No. You had to record You had to shit. make them. Yeah. Yeah. So I recorded myself doing the grudge noise and i set it as my ringtone for my landline which we had back then and i i snuck back into the bathroom and i put it i put my phone in the drawer of the vanity and gingerly closed the drawer so i go back (laughs) out i go back out into the living room and i told everybody in the house i was like don't fucking move don't make any noise and i told my dad to call my phone and he calls my phone, and the water's still running for a couple of seconds, and then you hear Kim slowly turn the water off, and nothing for about two seconds, and then all of a sudden you hear, <gasps> and it was <laughs> the funniest thing that has literally ever happened to me. And after like You're ten lucky seconds, she didn't just like, dude, after like ten seconds, all of a sudden you hear fucking Kim, and it was great. <laughs> It was You're amazing. Lucky she didn't like startle and then bang her head on the faucet and just knock out. I mean, that would have been less funny, but <laughs> that's not how it went. So it was hilarious. <laughs> anyway, so the moral of my story is I really like to scare people. And when my brother was really fucking young and I was between the age of like eight and 13, I would, after everybody was in bed, I would go into his bedroom late at night and slowly open the door and just go, Jared. And like, it scared (laughs) the fuck out of him. I made that noise. I know she was capable of making that noise. That clip is bullshit. Just saying. Hey, wait a minute. Cause look, we're, we're in current recording right now. So I don't, I don't know which part of the clip you're going to choose to use and maybe we'll, fist fight about it later but there's a part where uh as she's channeling this old man bill Mm -hmm. uh wilkins or whatever his name was something like that uh he describes how he died he died from a a hemorrhagic stroke or a brain bleed while sitting in his chair in the living room so she she described the way that he died and they looked it up later and that was real yeah i didn't see anything about that in real life They confirmed it. Mm, don't think so. Kimmy? Yes. Ooh. Okay, fine. Whatever. This It's your episode. So <laughs> we'll just, it's fine. Listeners, write in. You had to be there, pod at gmail.com. Uh, also, even if it was true and they did confirm it, it's not that hard to look up publicly available information and be like, oh, look at that. And okay, so she was 11. It's not that hard to hear rumors going around the neighborhood, especially small, tiny neighborhoods like that, where people are like, oh my God, did you know a guy died in your house? Like, as a teenager and a preteen, we talked about that shit all Fine. the time. What about, what about the poltergeist activity? 
Well, I'm getting there. Okay. So, Kimmy, <laughs> do you believe anything? <laughs> yes. Should we just assume a we firm <laughs> believer of the supernatural? Do you know, dear listeners, that we 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 relegated the world of the kooky and spooky to Kimmy because I was under the evidently mistaken and misled impression that she was going to be like, okay, so here's what legit ass fucking happened because y'all can't depend on me to feel that way. I will, I, I will happily debunk things. I will happily call people liars. And whenever people are like, oh, uh, you know, yetis and snow monsters and big feats and aliens, I'm like, okay, and I just do that jerk off motion with my hand and, and just change the subject. Kimmy was supposed to be the one <laughs> who was bringing this shit to the table with enthusiasm. And now she's over here like, okay, so this little 11 year old conspirator, conspirator bitch was just like, I heard a story and I'm going to act out. <laughs> now look, look, I am a firm believer in the supernatural. I am just not a firm believer of everybody's supernatural experiences. <laughs> uh, so unless it happened to you, it's questionable. Uh, well, yes. <sighs> Please continue. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> uh, so like alongside the recording of her speaking like, speaking like a demon. Uh, they <laughs> Not a demon, he's an old man. Oh my god, whatever. Uh, they also got pictures of her quote-unquote levitating. Yes, which we've actually discussed on a previous episode. I don't know if you remember, but I, I was don't. trying to... I was trying to vaguely describe this picture without giving away where I had seen it and how, because I wanted you to get there and have it be, like, fresh. But in a previous episode, I actually talked about this picture. Well, I don't remember that happening. I know you don't, because I was really good at being vague. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, so it's, like, the most popular fucking picture out there that everybody fucking knows. But, hold on, I'm going to send you that picture, so we're on the exact oh, same page. Oh, I've seen page. it. I know you've seen it, but like I want us to be on the same page because there are pictures of before that. So, I was going to send it from my fucking downloads folder, but it's like, nah, don't wanna. <laughs> Maybe it's haunted. <laughs> Maybe. And since it happened to you, it's real. Do you see how easily you said maybe? Do you, do you see? Do you hear that? Do you guys hear that? Where I said some just nonsensical bullshit, and she's like, "Hey, fucking maybe." But if I was like, "Hey, here's an 800 page account of a thing that happened," she'd be like, "Nonsense." <sighs> oh, hey, the costume designers for the movie were really spot on, weren't they? You know, I was. Uh, I finished watching the Pro- Prodigy today after I cared. And um, I, like, fell asleep last night during it because it sucks. And uh, it's it shows a costume designer in the credits because, of course, it does. And it's, like, a modern-day movie. And I just kind of sat there thinking for a couple minutes, but what exactly did they fucking do? Like, look through a J.C. Penny catalog? Do those still exist? Mm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> What what movie was this? The Prodigy. What time period does it take place in? Like yesterday. 
Oh, well, what do you think costume designers do? Do you think they only work on period pieces? I mean, I feel like they should. Costume designers, that literally every stitch of thread that goes on the bodies in the movies is their job. So they have to... Look, man, there's a lot involved. It's not just making sure that it's, like, period-specific or accurate or that the the cloths being used are accurate or whatever. It's like, okay, no, here's I a mean, great like, example. No, I mean, like, I get that. I get that. But if you're looking at okay, this is a soccer mom. Let's put her in soccer mom clothes. Like, go to the fucking Gap. Like, I don't, I just don't get it. Anyway, anyway, skip ahead. Well, they're not stitching all the clothes from hand. I get that. I get that. Anyway, look at the picture mm. I just sent you. So we're on the I'm looking page. at it. So that is the most famous picture of fucking Janet levitating off of her bed. What people don't well, know is there are two other fucking, three other goddamn pictures that pretty much show her jumping out of the bed, and I am going to send that to you right now. Although, hey, that camera caught a motion shot really well for being back in the, what was this, the 70s? The 70s, yeah. Between 77 and 79. Oh, she looks like she's about to do her finishing move in the WWE. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> <laughs> She's about to come down on Jericho and be like, fuck your walls tell and just me, crush them. Tell me that little girl is not jumping off that bed. I mean, it super looks like she is, but I mean, hey, if you are in the throes of full-on possession, what's to say you wouldn't just thrash your body around? Mm, she's jumping she- off her bed. Uh, well, you know what they say about monkeys who jump on the bed. Well, yes. So anyway, the two guys from the Society for Psychical Research, Playfair and Gross, thoroughly believed in the haunting. And Playfair actually wrote a book about it in, I think, 1980, 1980-something, uh, called the-, the House is Haunted, the True Story of a Poltergeist. And uh, <laughs> he he certainly blamed an entity for the haunting as a whole. However, he often doubted the veracity and wondered if the girls weren't just bullshitting or hysterical. No bullshitting. He was he was okay. Yeah, bullshitting. Now, while those two guys believed, uh, a bunch of other people at the society did not. Anita Gregory, who I believe is depicted in the film, uh, stated that the case was overrated and characterized a bunch of the episodes of the girls' behaviors as being suspicious and seriously speculated it to be staged. Then, John Belloff, who was the former president of the society, investigated the house and suggested that Janet was simply practicing ventriloquism. (sighs) Then, an American magician, like a magician, fucking David Blaine in this bitch, uh, named Mm. Milborn Christopher showed up. Ew. And I know. He showed up and investigated and failed to observe anything that he was like, oh, this is definitely paranormal. He's like, no, that's not. Oh, because he's a fucking authority. (laughs) I mean, he's a magician, Cheyenne. So we brought in a guy who drives an ice cream truck to judge this pastry cook off. I mean, and he said that these profiteroles were just not up to snuff. (laughs) Well, what if I told you a ventriloquist showed up and concluded that Janet's male voices were nothing more than vocal tricks? A ventriloquist? Yes is not qualified to decide 
If somebody's practicing ventriloquism? No, no, no. You find me someone who is double certified in ventriloquism and the occult, and then they can tell me that she's a liar. How about the videos of Janet bending spoons? I don't understand what you just said to me. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that a euphemism for something? (laughs) No, how about there are videos that captured Janet actively bending spoons. Uh Uh-huh. As in claiming, here's proof that it's haunted. Bend spoons! Fine, show me this spoon video. I I don't know where the fuck it is. Because it doesn't exist. Oh my god, they even mentioned that shit in the movie. Also, anyway, also, Gross observed her to be banging a broom handle on the ceiling, claiming to hear noises from the top floor of the the flat, and uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) caught her hiding his tape recorder. Which would often go quote unquote missing. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that was noted, this Bill character that she kept being possessed by often displayed pretty similar speaking mannerisms that she had and had the vocabulary of a child. <laughs> she, they said that she would often speak like in clipped short sentences, so did Bill. And also they thought it was really weird that Bill talked a lot about periods. <laughs> what? Yeah. Apparently Bill had a pretty big fascination with menstruation, and they thought <laughs> that was a little bit weird, whereas a prepubescent girl would definitely have a fascination with periods. Fine. Fine. And I guess the furniture moving was what? Like Jumanji game board magnets or something? Or people just really wanting to believe they saw something, so they made up that they saw something. All right, paranormal host. <laughs> anyway, after everybody decided it was all bullshit, Ed and Lorraine Warren show up. Uh, again, uninvited. They just kind of showed up. Do you know, I super forgot we were talking about them. I was just, like, immersed in being angry at you about The Conjuring 2. Well, sorry about it. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, Ed and Lorraine Warren show up. Now, in the movie, they're there the entire time because, you know, it's, it's about them fighting demons like superheroes. Also occasionally making a quip and having a short, tiny concert. Uh, but uh-huh. truth is, when they showed up, they were not permitted into the home, and they were kicked off the property, <laughs> despite not even going inside the house. They were convinced it was supernatural. They were like, you know what? Of course. It just looks haunted. It is definitely Well, the, the demons were possessing the people to scare them away because they were threatened by the divinity with which they... Would, would enter the home. Well, obviously. Also, another really important thing to note, years later, both Janet and Margaret came out and said they faked some of the stuff. Well, it's... It, hey, look. <laughs> it says right here, right here in this IMDb trivia fact, which means it's real, that she revealed that around 2% of the haunting was phony. 2%. So 98% legit. Uh-huh. 2% Bending spoons. <laughs> Banging Can we brooms. just like 
can we use that now as like shorthand for somebody faking a paranormal event? Like, just say, and then so this bitch was bending spoons. Uh, yes. Let's let's awesome. start that. It, it's, it's gonna be gonna our be spinoff our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> our spin-off podcast project someday will just be be called Bending Spoons and it'll just be Kimmy bringing on guests under the guise of like wanting to hear their story and then she'll just just give them withering looks and roll her eyes and be like okay the entire time <laughs> yeah, that and that'll happened. be the whole sh- <laughs> that'll be the whole show and it'll just be me slightly off mic in the background like what <laughs> what <laughs> what's really funny what's okay what's really funny is as the paranormal host i'm supposed to be like oh my god and then you'll never guess and then something flew across the room but really Dude. i'm the one sitting here like yeah okay and then i guess something may or may not have flown against the room and cheyenne's the one that's like <gasps> what <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, you know, we're 10 episodes in. We can't take it back now. <laughs> I mean. Like, we're committed to this. So you're just going to have to start believing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not my fault that my research often comes up with, hey, that's bullshit. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want, I want to be able to come out and, like, be like, oh, my God. And then this thing happened and it was so cool. But in researching things that I think are really fucking cool, all of a sudden something's bullshit. Like, okay, so our very first episode that we were going to do, I was going to do on the curse of King Tut, right? Because that shit always fucking fascinated me. And like two days. That sounds neat. I know, right? And then like two days into my fucking research, I found something that was like, okay, it's it's pretty over-exaggerated and not really what you think happens, happens. So here's the facts. And I was like, oh, that's boring. So, Gotta pick something else. So wait else. a minute. Where, where does our bias line lie, do you think? Because when we were discussing the Dybbuk box, we were both like, bruh. Like, like we believed all of it, I feel. I feel like some of it we were maybe like, hmm, that could have been just like paranoia enhancing random normal things that were happening around them. But the rest of that, the rest of that sounds terrifying. And to the point where I was afraid to like, like I was trying to make jokes and then I would get a chill and be like, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> like I've insulted the Dibuk, you know? So how is it that we are all about that? Which only has one guy telling a story on eBay or whatever you said he was doing. And we're all about it. But then over here is this thing where there are like cameras and books and pictures and, and, and firsthand accounts and all this stuff. And you're just like, nah. Nah. Because, because the more people that have their hand in it, the more likely it is to get fouled up. Like, do you remember in a grade school when, the teacher's like, all right, let's let's play the telephone game, and you're going to whisper something Ugh. in your neighbor's ear, and then they're going to whisper it into their ear, and blah, blah, blah. And, and then we're going, going all going to get... And then, and like... We're all going to get chicken pox and lice. <laughs> right? Or, or you end up, at the end getting some sort of tale about a demon dragon when in the beginning it was like, so there was an alligator down the street. Like the more people, the more people involved in retelling a story, the more fucked up it gets. 
So if well, there's one dude, if there's one dude saying, "Oh my god, this thing haunted me and it fucked my life up." Okay, maybe. But if like 50 people are like, "Oh my god, this thing happened, this other thing happened, but what they say happened didn't actually happen and what this other person said happened may have happened, but like what I said happened is totally true." Like that's Come on, man. Come on. <sighs> Uh, did you know that uh, evidently director James Wan was offered a life-altering amount of money to direct the fate of the Furious, but he turned it down so that he could do The Conjuring 2? He made a mistake. Yeah. Oh, and also on the first day of shooting, they brought a priest in to bless the set. Ugh. <laughs> God. What's interesting, uh. what's really interesting is, like, even though The Conjuring, which is undeniably the best in in the universe um yes and the closest to real events it's the only one that was actually um that had actually hired ed and lorraine to be consultants for the film which is interesting to me because i still hate them but well ed was ed was ed was dead he died in like 2006 didn't he i don't think so i'm pretty certain mm, maybe i don't fucking know lorraine at least lorraine, lorraine died there. lorraine died january last year correct um and i feel like ed was not alive for when the movies were being made but i could i could be wrong i could be conflating uh no you're right he died in 2006 august 2006 boom nailed it <sighs> so what's what uh you gonna how you gonna wrap this up like what is what do you feel like is the legacy of this uh bullshit? <laughs> this wretched anger that you have. It's it's just bullshit. It just I mean like so obviously you think that the Warrens are frauds. Mhm. The thing okay, so the thing the thing that drives me the craziest about them like as as a believer in supernatural things, I feel like and Lorraine Warren prayed on that like maybe maybe the Perrin family was was being tortured by a spirit and maybe the hodgson family the enfield poltergeist was being plagued by a poltergeist and and maybe the amityville story is true we're gonna get into that later uh maybe all these things were happening to these people that is a really shitty thing to go through and here come ed and lorraine warren like hey What's going on? I see you got a haunting. Let me help you with it. And they just used it to get famous. And the fact that these movies exist, I feel kind of proves that. It put more money into Lorraine's fucking pocket. And I think that's disgusting. Do you think it's possible to be exploitative and also be believers? Like, do you think it's possible that they were genuine believers that happened to also be exploitative like they're like we believe these things are happening let's go take advantage of them i don't i don't know honestly i'm not because i'm not sure if they were actual believers i'm not sure if they shared in a common delusion i don't know if they were just like hey let's go fucking let's go prey on these people because we got nothing better going on because they didn't they were jobless I well, don't because L- Lorraine is 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 uh and I'm not saying that being consistent means that you're being inherently truthful because liars can be consistent also if they're good at it but she's been pretty consistent in all the interviews I've ever seen her in 
she doesn't, at least to me, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but she doesn't seem to waffle on details. So either the well, things I mean, that they want us say, to believe are well rehearsed, you or... You say the same thing enough times, and it comes natural. Yeah, but... Or even you start you, to believe them yourself. Yeah, so you think, what, they're just, uh, maybe they are legitimately believers, but also they are being nosy and exploitative, mm-hmm. and also they are embellishing. Oh, yes. 100%. Okay. Well, they're both dead. Yes. So... I mean, rip, they I won't. Be, they won't be a problem for oh you. Oh my god! Anymore. What if they're what? haunting people? Good God! Crisscross. What, uh, I feel I. <laughs> I read somewhere about what happened to their museum of haunted artifacts. It was wasn't it bought by a celebrity weirdly or something? Oh my God! If it was bought by that douchebag that does ghost adventures, I swear to Jesus. <gasps> I think that's what's true, actually. Yeah, I when think, you I when you said that, Fuck. my brain lit up when you said that. Yeah, and then isn't he like he's like storing it somewhere because he's oh. afraid to? No, that was the Dybbuk box. I think maybe. Hold on, now I gotta look it up. I hate him just as much as them. I swear to God, you would think that that collection would be inherited by their daughter and her husband or something, right? Um, I mean, you you'd think because I don't think they liked their son-in-law though. I don't know. He, like, really helps peddle the story a lot. There's a lot of well, current stuff now that's like, according to their son-in-law, herp de derp de derp Maybe he's uh, overcompensating for them not liking it. Because I don't think... I feel like I read somewhere that Ed and the son-in-law did not have the best relationship. But then again, I don't have a source in front of me, so I could be full of shit. I'm... Um, okay. Did according- Frodo Baggins buy the collection? Uh, no. I don't think so. It looks like it was it was closed down in March of 2018 because they had some zoning issues. Um and then in June of 2019 it provided an update that said uh Lorraine had died in April and the status of the museum is uncertain. So I don't know hmm. what's happened since. Well, now Annabelle's going to get out. Uh, well, yeah. And also that weird, like, uh, like B-plot in The Conjuring 2 with that, uh, like, revolving musical moving mm-hmm. picture thingy that mm-hmm. the little boy had of the crooked man who walked his crooked mile. Yeah. Evidently, they, uh, there is a crooked man movie in production yes. or soon to be released. That is, that is correct, yes. Yeah, so The Conjuring Universe is not done. No. No, it is not. Which is exciting. <sighs> well, do you have a conclusion written, or do you just did you just think that we were going to talk shit about the Warrens until we came to a natural conclusion? My literal conclusion, like the only thing I wrote, is it's all just a goddamn mess. <laughs> the end. End of story. Well, man, there you have it. That's <laughs> that was that was our scathing discussion <laughs> of the life and legacy. Of a couple of old Catholic people who really like to stick their nose where it wasn't invited. Tammy, you were really excited. I know you were about this episode. Uh, Sorry about it. (laughs) Do you think she was expecting you to to be, like, enthusiastic and supportive? I feel like she she was. (laughs) 
Oh, well, uh, did she tell you what she thinks of the Warrens? Like, is she a believer or? Uh, she did not. Like, I'm pretty certain it was, and this was many, many moons ago that she had said it. She was just like, oh my God, I can't wait until you guys talk about the Warrens. Well, maybe she, uh, maybe it's because she wanted to hear us talk shit about them. <laughs> maybe. Because <laughs> look, man, I remember very vividly when I found out that the Warrens might be complete bullshit. And then the more I read, I was like, ah, it's like, uh, it's like they say, never meet your heroes. Don't mm-hmm. read about them either. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I was so about it when I first saw the conjuring, I was like, Oh, this is based on like inspired by true events. That's cool. I wonder how much of this is, you know, comes from legitimate, uh, testimony or whatever. And then I started reading, about the Warrens, and then, you know, the more you read about the Warrens, <laughs> the more you find out, no. They suck. Yeah, so, great movies, maybe not the best people in the world, but hey, we got some pretty cool cinematic adventures out of it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Jeez. You know, when we really get revved up and going on Discord, if you guys uh, are wanting to to join us there... Um, if and when you do, this is the kind of stuff that we can, uh, we can crack open a little further. For sure. <laughs> it's like all these different movies and all these, uh, I'm sure that people are listening right now and thinking, you know, you only talked about the movies or the cases that inspired movies. You didn't talk about all the things they did. And that's fair. That's a fair assessment. And that's something that we can look forward to discussing as a group in Discord. So as a nice little transition to mention patreon again just because like we just started we just launched it i think what yesterday yesterday yeah yeah we just literally 24 hours ago yeah (laughs) so it's it's fresh and brand new and and uh we're plugging it real hard in this episode because we really want you guys to go check it out we're looking forward to being able to interact with you guys in new ways and to share more things with you and to produce uh more exciting content and different kinds of content and you know we can't we wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for you guys tuning in and uh your contributions and your participation are really going to help us do more things so patreon.com slash you had to be there pod go check it out yeah mm-hmm. do you have any any closing things you want to say give me <laughs> no okay i hate them so much I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, shit. Then in that case, <laughs> that was high roller number one. Woo! So in uh, in episode eighteen, we'll we'll roll the dice again to find out who's gonna go next. And then in episode twenty, we'll see. I don't know. We're we literally we we don't know until we roll the dice. It's it's an actual surprise. All the reactions are legitimate so and i'm really hoping no idea what's gonna happen i'm really hoping i get the high roll again because now that i've got that out of the fucking way i can actually talk about something i like oh good christ (laughs) (laughs) there there are a few on my list that i put on the high roller because i just i picked ones that i was like i had set aside simply because there are such big narratives that we couldn't have really shared the space of the episode so 
there are a few on the list that I don't want to talk about because because I hate them, <laughs> and um, they legitimately make my skin crawl and my stomach turn, and I'm not about it, I'm not looking forward to it. So maybe what'll happen is you'll I'll get my comeuppance for laughing at you while you try tra- you tried to talk about the Warrens, and then <laughs> I'll get stuck. I'll get fucking stuck talking about Israel Keys. <laughs> Because I don't want to. Fuck. Ugh. Anyway. <sighs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> we had a lovely time. It was a blast. <laughs> this was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the whole outro is just going to be us laughing hysterically. Good God. And cut. You Had to Be There is researched, written, and hosted by these two bitches, Cheyenne and Kimmy. You can find our sources in the episode description and copies of visual materials and audio clips on our social media platforms. If you want to support the show, the easiest way to do so is by leaving us a five-star review wherever you find this podcast. Make sure to follow or subscribe so you'll never miss a new episode. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash you had to be there pod, on Instagram at you had to be there pod, and on YouTube by searching for you had to be there podcast. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or if you have your own odd, frightening, or fun stories to tell, you can email us at you had to be there pod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and don't forget, when life gives you the creeps, don't panic. Aim for the dick if they've got one. Lock the door. And burn some sage about it. Thank you.